So Sinead, before I bought this horse, this is me on Tegan um, at the horse park of New Jersey in like 2015. And she let me compete this horse because she wanted me to buy it. And she thought I'd get on with it. And I took her novice. I had never in my life competed at a recognized horse show before this horse show. And I didn't tell a soul. And I did my first novice on this horse. I was a fraud. I was a fraud. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as always, we love to recognize our sponsor, Cowboy Magic. Cowboy Magic's fantastic, Karen. They sure are. You know who's a, who uses Cowboy Magic? Boyd Martin. Our buddy Boyd Martin. Yes, You've he heard does. him on the show a bunch. He's our good friend. He's a great guy. Do you think he's using the good stuff, Karen? Of course, of course he's he using, is. He's using only the best on his horses. So, again, we, we like to recognize just some of the great products they have. Of course, they have the Rosewater Shampoo and Conditioners. But here's what's special. They have a couple of really cool specialized products. With Everyone everyone needs to have these in their tack kit, Karen. They need the Green Spot Remover, right? So, mm-hmm. the Cowboy Magic Green Spot Remover. The Cowboy Magic Shine In Yellow Out. You know. You know. <laughs> when your horse has been laying down in the muck. So listen, Shine In Yellow Out from Cowboy Magic. And here's a couple of really cool ones. The Super Body Shine by Cowboy Magic and the Detangler and Shine. These are fantastic products that we hope everyone gets out there and tries, Karen. What do you think? I know. I used a Detangler and Shine on my own hair. <laughs> and it works great. It works great. If only I had hair, Karen, I would I would use it. But actually, my mullet's coming in pretty it, fine it right now. So I might, have to, I might have to steal some of your Detangler and Shine. So listen, again, if you're listening to the show, you're listening to it free. It's free because of sponsors like Cowboy Magic. So please, if you appreciate what we're doing, check out Cowboy Magic, try their products, and that's the best way you can thank us for putting on this show every week for you. So Cowboy Magic, thank you so much. We really appreciate your sponsorship and your wonderful products. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, very exciting for this Major League Eventing podcast. Very exciting. We have uh, a very popular eventer on the show. Yes, she is. So welcome to the show. Meg Kepferly. Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here. Am I good on the name? I I know I'm I'm blowing it. I I I, I was I, I wanted to be brave. I didn't want to shorten it to Meg Kep, but I wanted to be brave. Meg Kepferly, is that correct? You got, it, you got it right. It's Kepferly. I've been Meg Kep since I was in uh, middle school because of the, no one can say my name. <laughs> And it kind of just stuck. And I have friends to this day that are just learning that my name is actually longer than KEP. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, so it's fine. I honestly, my bank actually takes checks written by students that are made to make kept. They don't, they stopped asking for me to fill it. <laughs> that's, uh, hey, you know, that's cool. Well, one thing about the show, we always like to make sure that we get names correct because it's a podcast anyway, and the last thing we want to do is mispronounce people's names. Because so, the announcers on Cross Country do it all day long incorrect, Karen. So yep. we want to be we're the, we're we're training everyone up on the on the right names. <laughs> oh, we lost her a little. Did we lose you a little? My my it says my internet is unstable. Yeah, so if that's yours maybe it's my, having a mental health day. I think we're back now. We're back. We're good. We're good. So hey, so Meg, where where are you right now? Uh, as you're talking to us. I am in Long Valley, New Jersey. Long Valley, New Jersey. 
Where's that? Yeah. So I'm about uh, 10 minutes from uh, you set Gladstone. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. That's nice up there. That is yeah. Nice. I, I've been here not in Long Valley, but in Jersey about 10 years. God, maybe even longer now, maybe 11 years this year. And the way I picked New Jersey is I saw that USET was here and I had no idea who else was here. And I took a job teaching up-down lessons um, that is at the exact, it's like the same exit as USET. And I just figured through rock, it's got to be in a good area. (laughs) And I was super lucky in my guess. Very cool. We almost ran out of gas in that area. I know. We had trouble finding diesel. We left a pony club rally at the USAT. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. You learned that real quick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it was bad. I swear I started the trick with a quarter tank of fuel, and I think I ran the air conditioner for, for a couple of minutes. It was one of those hot July days or something. And then it was like, uh-oh, there's no fuel. <laughs> yep. It was like closed. It was terrible. Everything closes quite early around here. It's mm-hmm. a small town feel, even though it's, you know, it's pretty close to the city. But I actually did run out of gas here the one and only time in my life um, for that exact reason when oh, I was a working student. So, we, had, wow. we had a couple horses, a puppy with us at I the know. time. It was brutal. <laughs> it long was day, brutal. Long day pony clubbing. So. Oh, goodness. So, Meg, uh, can you take us back and tell us how you actually got your start in riding and then worked your way into eventing? Totally. Um, so I started when I was 10. Um, it took me about, I don't know, 10 years to convince my parents to let me start. Um, I did not come from a horse family. I grew up, my dad was in the military um, and he retired when I was born and like naval, naval contracting. Lots of, um, I grew up in like a big Navy town. So, you know, Average middle-class family. I was one of four kids. There was not enough money to go around for horseback riding lessons. So uh, my best friend, um, she grew up in a horse family. And so that was kind of my in. Um, And uh, we had a riding assignment, writing W-R-I-T, in fourth grade, where we were learning how to write persuasive letters. And I wrote to my parents, repeatedly, um, why... Um, stating the argument why I should start riding. Um, it took another year after that, but I like to think it was a success. <laughs> so I started <laughs> yeah, they weren't too happy. Um, thankfully, they had no idea I'm getting into. Um, I think, you know, I started in a big barn um, that's still in existence. It's called A Moment in Time, and it's in Leonardtown, Maryland. It's a huge lesson barn. Um, there's like 60 horses on property. It is a machine. Um, and that is where I learned work ethic grit. It was, uh, there was a hierarchy of kids, you know, you had to complete this step to be able to do this step. And if you're at this step, you could teach the little ones. And, you know, I was so motivated by that structure. Um, and I felt like I kind of had to prove myself a little bit, um, because I was, I was like the little chubby kid that wasn't super athletic and, I didn't have a horse and, you know, everyone's telling you you're not made for this. And so that kind of probably the reason why I'm still riding horses today. And none of my friends that I grew up riding with actually do ride horses anymore. Um, So I, uh, yeah, that was like my life. I was there as much as my parents would take me. Um, It was a, a 
20 or 30 minute drive from the house, which was a lot when you had, you know, three other kids, um, you know, cause it's not like you're just there and gone. So we had a whole carpool system going on with, you know, kids in the area and, uh, it was awesome. I, I wouldn't have changed it for anything, even though we weren't riding super fancy horses and we weren't showing in super fancy horse shows. Like, you know, I did my first A rated show in eighth grade and I mean, I, it was at the Lexington, um, at the Virginia horse center in Lexington and I was doing hunters and I had, um, a quarter horse <laughs> and I got, I placed in one class. Um, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was the first overnight show we went to. Um, and I thought the Virginia horse center was like a palace. Oh my God. Um, I will never forget. I have, I'm sure in my room somewhere, I have a picture of us at the barn there. Um, but it was around that time I started learning about eventing. It, there's not a lot, well, there's more now, you know, 20 years later, but at the time, not a lot of eventing in Southern Maryland. Um, and, and it was pretty rural area, but eventing wasn't, it just wasn't there. And um, there's one lady at my barn that rode this huge horse um, and she did intro level eventing and she had a trailer and she told me she would take me anytime. So I did my first unrecognized event. I think it was at Marlboro. I honestly don't even know. I'm pretty sure that's where it was just based on just geographic location. Um, and I won and I had white rubber reins and I had a Troxel helmet and I didn't tuck in my shirt and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to get my horse on the bit. I didn't know what I was, I was, it was my boss's uh, former show jumper. And he just ran probably, I'm sure he was running at like 600 meters per minute at like <laughs> 18 inch fences. But because I won, obviously I'm good at it. So <laughs> I was that. <laughs> and then I was obsessed. Then I started watching videos, right. Of thrills and spills. And I watched, you know, David O'Connor clinics and I mean, I still had no idea what I was doing or how to do it or anything. Um, but um, we, I started, you know, I was like rallying for more interest in the barn. Um, and it slowly started to grow. Um, and again, without really knowing what the heck I was doing, I did a, a little bit more eventing in Maryland um, somehow safely. I have no idea what I was doing. I still cannot believe I did what I did. Um, but I had some pretty safe and sweet horses at the time. And I was having the time of my life. I will, <laughs> I have this picture of me at a uh, full moon actually. And I had this horse that was like 25 million years old and I'm wearing like a wife beater and my penny. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Um, but he jumped the jump. And so <laughs> that's, that was kind of like my childhood. And I went to college, went to Towson University. And I had like, I come from a very academically focused family. And there was no such thing as gap years. There was no such thing as online school. Um, you know, there was no conversation about this, you know, being a career. You know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to go to the Olympics for show jumping. Um, I was obsessed with Margie Ingle. She was my hero. Um, and I would go to the Washington International Horse Show every year and watch her. And that's what I thought I wanted to do, but I didn't have any money. So I just would watch, you know, the jumpers from the, from the side. And 
we, you know, go moving into the jumper ring was a huge, um, privilege at my farm at my barn. So I think I finally got to start doing jumpers in like high school. Um, and I was horrible. Like I was horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but again, I was having the time of my life. Um, and, um, and then when I went to college, I was pre-law, um, and I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Like I had to figure out how to make money to do the horse thing. And I would ride on the weekends back in my hometown. I would teach and whatever. And I took this horse from my old riding instructor. His name's Bobby. And um, he had gotten it. This, the college, St. Mary's College was riding at the farm at the time. And, you know, people donate horses to colleges. Now that I'm older, I know the primary horse that gets donated to a college. Um, <laughs> at the time, I thought it was amazing. He was so, <laughs> he had so much power. <laughs> no one could ride him. He was horrible. He was so dangerous. But um, I loved him. So I took him to college with me. And um, I actually, my junior year, I took him. And I um, was a working student on the weekends because I had school. Um, for Natalie Hollis at Water's Edge Farm. Um, and that was my first time kind of being in an eventing barn at all. And that is that was a big program. I mean, I think they had like 25, 30 horses. It was like four or five working students. I was riding horses. She was helping me with, with my horse. I never had enough money to actually show him because I was, you know, big barring and stealing just to be able to keep him there. Um, and he actually ended up going lame at the end of my working student. It was, I never showed him. And then, then we sold him. So that's kind of a sad story. But the time I spent there kind of opened me to the working student idea, which I really just didn't even know. You know, I didn't know that that was even a thing. Like, I didn't know that you could do that, um, be able to work um, for riding lessons. And people actually put you on their nice horses. And you, even though you didn't really know what you're doing, um, <laughs> it was just kind of an opportunity that I had never had before. Um, and so that kind of respawned the, the spark a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's still kind of in the back of my head, like I want to go to the Olympics. I want to go to the Olympics. Right. Um, and at the time, like, you know, I was going unrecognized beginner novice and I graduated and I could take a gap year at this point. I didn't know exactly. I wasn't ready for law school yet and I hadn't really done much traveling. And so I was like, this is my time. This is the time I have to, to devote to horses and see the world. Let's do this. So I went on yard and groom again, like and I got a job and I thank God ended up in a great place. I um, got a job working for Helen Bell, who is a former uh, advanced rider for um, the UK and she's retired from upper level eventing now, but she has a, a sales yard in North Yorkshire in England and they go over to Ireland. Um, well, in that, when I went over there, what they did is they would go to Ireland, go to like Goresbridge, go to all of her connections pick up a handful of young horses, come back to England. We'd get them going, we'd event them, and then we'd sell them. And it was the most magical thing I'd ever seen in my life. Um, And that is when I learned how to ride cross country. Um, You know, I, I 
didn't really learn anything about dressage in England, but I did learn, <laughs> I got to compete some horses. I got to, you know, I got a big slice of humble pie after being a big fish in a small pond for a really long time. Um, and that's when I kind of started learning the, uh, the ways of, of eventing. And I mean, I was 22 at the time um, when most people are, you know, they're well into their competitive careers by that time. Um, I was still trying to find the door, you know, and see where it led. Um, and Helen, you know, I was not a strong competitor. Like I did not have a lot of competition experience. I knew how to stay on a horse and I had no finesse and I was brave as hell. Not nearly that brave anymore. Um, (laughs) but at the time I would, I would ride anything. I would never, I never said no. And, you know, I think a lot of kids, you know, they're brave. They go through that, that, period of time. And I was actually having a conversation with Sinead about this not that long ago. Like I wouldn't ride half the horses that I used to ride now. Like, <laughs> but it, it, it was the coolest experience. Um, you know, and I've made a lifelong connection with Helen. I got to meet William Fox Pitt, you know, as the, like I was a little kid, you know, I went to Burley for the first time and Helen knows everybody. Everybody knows Helen. She's a she's a well-known um, dealer over there, and she has a great facility. And people will come to her place to cross country school. And oh, look, there's so and so. There's so and so. And I'm like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Um, so she she opened my eyes like this wide, um, and I realized how hard I was going to have to work to even remotely, to remotely make it, um, even as an amateur. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I, I spent a year over there and had to come home. I was crying on the plane on the way home. Like I did not want to come home. Um, but unfortunately there's like laws and rules about immigration stuff. So, (laughs) and I also had graduated college. Kids are so dumb. I graduated college and, uh, my grandparents had given me a modest amount, but they'd given me a, um, I don't, it's not a trust. It was a fund. See, I don't even know what it's called. Um, some sort of investment fund that my dad made me take a small amount, put into an IRA. So I had some sort of retirement started as an adult and the rest I had access to and, but you had to sell it. It was like some sort of fund stock fund. And I sold the entirety of it while I was in England without telling my parents. And it was at the time it was, this was 2007. And at the time the pound, it was like $2 and 10 cents to one pound. And I mean, I think I had like $50 of my, like, that was supposed to be like my house payment or something. Oh, no. <laughs> so just in case anyone's wondering, no, I still don't own a house at the age of 35 years old. Um, <laughs> so kids, <laughs> if you get a gift from your grandparents, do not spend it. Um, so my God, I'm, I haven't thought about this stuff in a long time. You guys, I'm just thinking about all the decisions I've made. Um <laughs> Oh my God. So anyway, my Lord, um, when I got back to the United States, um, again, I had like $50 and my family, 
you do not move home. That is, well, my little brother probably would, but <laughs> you were not allowed to go home, right? You didn't have, you didn't leave a job until you had another job. Like that, that was how we were raised. And, um, so I had like a restaurant job from, you know, back in the day that I had as a fallback and I ended up, um, you know, panicking a little bit that I need money and I got a corporate job and I got my first real job and I again got so lucky um I ended up getting a job for uh an advertising marketing firm in DC um that was big into political and I was big into political in college like that was kind of my thing um and I'm not going to turn this into a political podcast, but I'm pretty vocal and everyone knows I'm super, super liberal. And I went to, um, when I went to DC, I was the first political hire for this job. And, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, a salary, like what? And, um, I was supposed to be the only one. And they had this guy as a candidate, um, that, their firm is huge. The media team is what I worked for. I was a media buyer Mm -hmm. and the, the team I worked for was very small. We are a very small part of a very large firm. And our client was this guy, his name was Barack Obama and he wasn't supposed to win the primary. And so it was just going to be this, you know, whatever job. And lo and behold, um, he won and then things got crazy and it turned into this like intense, I mean, it's very similar to horses. We're working around the clock. I mean, it was team. It was so exciting. Um, I peaked. I peaked in my political career. <laughs> um, and I was still, I was riding on the weekends and, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was missing England. I was applying to grad school at Harpery and Royal Agricultural College Um and honestly, I probably would have stayed in D.C. forever and ever, and I would have been a political media buyer and probably gone on to do some sort of political strategy. And I don't know, I was fascinated by it, but we entered a recession and everybody lost their jobs in D.C. So I found myself again at a crossroad and I was unsure what I was going to do. And I'm like, listen, I'm 20. I think it was like 23 at the time. I'm like, it's an hour and ever. I'm just going to where I was saying earlier, look on a map <laughs> and I'm going to throw some S-I-H-I-T against the wall and see what sticks. And I found a job in New Jersey. Um, I interviewed for a few jobs. Um, I actually interviewed for Courtney Cooper. Sorry, Court. Didn't take the job. Um, <laughs> we're good friends now. It's fine. Um, she actually uh, yelled at me in my interview because I left the Betadine open um, because it's so expensive. And I didn't know how expensive it was because I had never bought my own Betadine before. And now I appreciate you, Courtney, for that warning. You are so right. <laughs> uh, but at the time, I'm like, damn, I'm not working here. <sighs> she was right. Um, now I'm that person. So it's fine. It's full circle. Um, I, can't imagine so, yelling. I cannot imagine. No. Okay. It wasn't really like yelling. It was more like sharply speaking. There was no like volume heard. Um, but uh, so I interviewed for this uh, lovely family that has a private farm and they do some like up down lessons, which I had plenty of experience in. And you know, it was a little bit of a cushy job and I felt 
comfortable taking it. Like I was qualified for the position and I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And she was very flexible and she wanted me to be happy. So she allowed me, you know, flexibility in my schedule um, to go try to find a riding job. And so I moved up to New Jersey and it's more beautiful than you would ever imagine. That's the only reason I'm still here. I love it here. And I cannot believe that I am admitting that out loud, but it's so pretty. It's such a great area. Um, and um, so I worked for her name was Mercedes Rolandelli um, and uh, River Edge Farm. My next door neighbors were uh, Mrs. Merck of Merck Pharmaceuticals and Donald Trump golf course. And, you know, like I'm like completely out of my element on this road. Um, but it was a great job, you know, it was an easy job, but Mercedes knew, I mean, she knew within five, five minutes that I was going to be too bored there. And I, I totally was, she, she introduced me to Doug. She didn't know Doug, but she knew he was an event rider in the area, Doug Payne. And, uh, Doug was just kind of starting out, um, at that time. Um, he had just kind of, you know, lots of horses and no staff and, um, I just kind of cold called him and stalked him. I'm sure he still has the emails. I was like stalking him <laughs> to, to let me come, you know, interview again. I had no idea what I was even asking. Um, but I could stay on a horse. And if anyone that rides for Doug knows, at least back then when he necessarily didn't have the quality of horse he is now, you had to know how to stay on a horse at Doug's because Doug got a lot of naughty horses. Um, and he had like 20 horses or something. And so he was trying to hire me right off the bat because he was drowning. And, um, you know, I didn't know what to do about Mercedes and I felt horrible. Um, but she kind of gave me the out. She was awesome. I'm still again, very close with her. She's been a pivotal person in my success here because she has been nothing but generous. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's how I got into like real life eventing. Um, I started working for Doug. Um, again, no idea what I was doing. Um, and he didn't honestly know what he was doing either as far as like me concerned, you know, employees. And we were like the blind leading the blind. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's when he had running order. Um, so it was a very exciting time to get started. I, I went to, um, Fair Hill for the first time that year with him and running order and, um, I, he had Ashley Adams, um, kind of babysit me to make sure I didn't kill the horse and, you know, and Ashley was great. Um, I was, uh, I was terrified. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I knew then like at Fair Hill, I knew I can do this. I'm like, I can be in this world. I don't know what capacity. I don't know if I'm going to make it as a rider but I know I want to be involved in this. This is crazy. This is exciting. These people are awesome. They're also different. Um, you know, I'm a worker. I like to be busy. I like to be challenged. Um, and I like to do a good job, you know, and I felt like I was constantly being challenged, um, and humbled in, in that job. And, um, I worked, I think I worked for maybe 18 months. Um, you know, his, his business was changing and from where I started and where we were in a year, um, it just wasn't, we were not the right fit and we're friends. It's fine. But I was so pissed at him when I left. 
yeah, I was really mad. And, and, you know, Doug and I are very different on an emotional level. Uh, I'm a very emotional person and she's not really an emotional person. Um, and, uh, you know, looking back on it, that experience was so dramatic unnecessarily on my behalf, but you know, it, it's, you end up learning from those mis- mistakes, you know, you end up learning how to communicate, um, a little bit better. And it's helped me tremendously as an employer, um, when I do want to just, you know, react and, and you have to, you know, take a second and be like, are, you know, have I c- communicated what I expect in this moment or what I expect in this job? And, and, you know, I think all of us that have been doing this a while now know that sometimes expectations and reality are not the same. Um, and, I think that, you know, again, I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, I don't think I should have stayed any longer. And I don't think I, and I'm, I would have, I've gone back there a hundred times over if I had to decide how to redo my career. Um, You know, I learned how hard I had to work to be in this industry. I learned how many different horses there are and, you know, how to make a business if you don't have a resume. And I, I learned, you know, I made lots of friends. I made lots of connections. I fell in love with New Jersey. Um, and uh, at the time, this might not be true anymore because I see him teaching a lot now. At the time, he did not like teaching and he liked riding. But I got, I made him. He was really good at teaching me on his horses. Um, so I got to, to ride a lot in that position, um, which gave me so much confidence. Um, the pains they're old school in the way they approach things. And, um, you know, Oh, you never, you never jumped that before. It doesn't matter. Like go, you know, they're very British that way almost. Um, you know, he would, he would challenge me in ways that, um, I would never have number one had horses that could physically do the things that we were doing. Um, let alone the opportunity to just because I had never done it before. So, um, I got to learn a lot and, um, and that is how I got to go to my first international event um, overseas. So I went and I started out very strong. We went to Bocolo um, and uh, what happens in Bocolo stays in Bocolo. Uh, it's a, it's a very, that was a fun event. Um, but I got to, you know, see what it's like from the inside overseas and you know, just fell in love more, even though we were staying in campers with absolutely no heat. And, you know, it was so miserably cold and didn't really matter because we were drinking flugel the whole time. Um, <laughs> we were so young, <laughs> uh, but that was, you know, the, a nation's cup. So it was a, a, you know, team experience and, um, different pressure, you know, even as a groom, that was a lot of pressure. And, um, so uh, that kind of sucked, but you know, we were all very young and it was uh it was a learning curve for sure. Um but again, like the people that I met met and made friends with, um just you know, that was that was why, you know, that happened in my life. And uh and that's you know how I became friends with Sinead and um because Sinead and Doug used to date. And (laughs) that's I'm I'm turning the volume Uh, up on that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so anyway, they uh, they broke up, and then 
him and I broke up. And then um, I was. Sinead got you in the breakup? Crying. Huh? Sinead got you in the yeah, breakup? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, was, it was a joke, actually, a running joke at the time. Um, but yeah, pretty much. I was crying, drinking wine at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was sitting outside <laughs> Sinead's ring, which is where I lived. I lived on the barn that she rented. And, you know, being dramatic as I do. And um, I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and her working student at the time was leaving and she was getting ready for her first four star. And she's like, what am I going to do? And then we're like, hmm. I was like, I will work for you for four months or like six months. I think I agreed to work through, through Kentucky. But I'm like, I don't want to work for my friends anymore. And then I lasted for like seven years or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah. And then the real fun began. So you, but you were Sinead's Uh, groom essentially, right? Or were you kind of. Oh yeah. Everything. Okay. Yep. No, I was her groom. Um, I took the position and she had like four or five horses at the time. Um, You know, she was, she had moved to New Jersey, not that far before me. So she was just kind of getting her bearings and she had Tate um, and a couple of like random client horses. And that's pretty much it. Um, And she started to get a little momentum and we went to Kentucky um, and she obviously did really well that year. And then she kind of blew up and it was just balls to the wall after that. The program expanded, you know, she got a lot of, um, opportunities. She got, you know, the young rider coaching position and, um, we got a lot more working students, but I was a manager and groom, you know, of that program. Um, and you know, I would ride Tate mostly, honestly, but the working students did most of the riding. I would, you know, dabble here or there and, Um, but I learned how to run the business. Um, and I learned how to run the financial side of it. Um, because Sinead didn't want to do it and I loved it. I love, I love controlling things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so, you know, she'd be like, Megan, how much money do I have in my bank account? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we trusted each other very much. We still do. Um, Actually, the, the QuickBooks, her QuickBooks person, or the QuickBooks, the institution, um, called me because I guess I'm still technically on her QuickBooks as, oh. like, the, the main admin. And they have, like, I haven't worked for Sinead in, like, six years. <laughs> and they have an ad, they have someone that runs their business. And um, they had to get me to, like, renounce myself. Oh. Like, I literally haven't worked there for, like, six years. But that's amazing. Um, so yeah, I ran all that kind of stuff. I did a lot of sponsor management. Um, I, you know, obviously travel with Tate everywhere. Um, and we just, we were a team and it was awesome. And we complimented each other really well. And she is pretty unparalleled in the patience and opportunities that she lets us explore. Meaning that like, you know, at the time I was, you know, in my mid to late twenties and groom salary is nothing. And I, you know, didn't even want her to pay me sometimes because, you know, we needed money for other things. And she let me figure out how to make other money. Like she would give me time to go freelance or whatever I need to do to be ordered to stay in the program. And that's really hard, um, to do as an employer. 
Um, so, and I wouldn't have been able to stay if she hadn't been able to do that. Um, so it was, I think timing and, you know, luck and personality match. And I don't know, it was special though. I have to say we were, we were, we were on top of the world for a while there. It was pretty awesome. Um, and it, honestly, I didn't even really know if I wanted to be a rider anymore. Um, at the end of that, like after, after, you know, four or five years and I just, I was getting a little burnt out as you kind of do. And, you know, Tate was getting a little older and, you know, I loved that horse. So I still love that horse. And so I did it, you know, I hung in there because of him. Um, but you know, she had an, another groom that we hired, um, that I kind of let groom all the younger horses, like go with all the other FEI horses. And I just kind of did Tate for the last little bit. And then I thought maybe I didn't want to ride anymore. And I wanted to like, I don't know. I don't know what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and so she let me, she's crazy. She let me just manage the business. Like I, I, um, stepped out of the barn completely and I, you know, did all office work and I thought it was awesome for a little bit. Um, you know, I took a shower in the morning. <laughs> that was weird. Um, and that was really cool. Like a hell rider website. I did stuff like that for like, I don't know, a month. And then I was bored. Um, and she was paying me way too much money to do that job. So, um, you know, fate kind of works in mysterious ways. My mom ended up dying kind of in that time. And, um, I took off from work completely. Um, and I it probably took a month off of work. And, um, so they kind of got a little, it was kind of like a symbiotic relationship, right? You can't, you feel like you can't function without the other person, even though you can, you just so used to having another person around. And I think it worked both ways. And so they got a little, separation from me and I got a little separation from them and things didn't burn down. Um, and so I was like, Oh, I think maybe you guys are going to be okay without me. Um, and it gave me some time to think. And I, well, actually Sinead suckered me into buying a horse. Um, <laughs> but she had this horse that she was letting me ride. And, um, uh, it was a lovely horse and it was so expensive. I had never bought a horse in my life. Like literally have never owned a horse in my life. Um, only ever leased or borrowed or whatever. And somehow I convinced people to buy me a $50,000 four year old. Um, and I still can't, like I, it just the perfect storm of events. Um, and she was the coolest animal and she was not an event horse. She won the four-year-olds in Dublin and I couldn't even get her qualified for the five-year-olds in the United States. I'm like, you guys don't know anything. Uh, she was a show jumper. She was, <laughs> she was bred to show jump. She was, she's um, doing like meter fifties with a junior right now. Um, but that got me started. And where's my picture? I'm going to tell everyone this. I've never told anyone this. We're getting, we're getting this good, stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Here's the secret. Where is the secret? Where oh, is the picture? I can't find the secret. I know it's here. Oh, no. I can't tell you the secret without the picture. Oh, no. Keep looking. Keep looking. Don't stop. It's here. I have it. I have it. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you don't really need the picture, I guess. Oh, oh come here. on. Here it is. No, that's not it. <laughs> I've so many pictures in my room. Oh, no. I keep it by my desk. Oh, it's right here. I'm <laughs> so, Sinead, before I bought this horse, this is me on Tegan um, at the Horse Park of New Jersey in, like, 2015. And she let me compete this horse because she wanted me to buy it, and she thought I'd get on with it. And I took her novice. I had never in my life competed at a recognized horse show before this horse show, and I didn't tell a soul. And I did my first novice on this horse. I was a fraud. (laughs) 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 And... um, yeah, and that that was that. I was like, I just did something I literally didn't think I could do because I'd never done it before, and I was hooked. Good lord! Um, and Tegan led me to Anakin, um, and here I am. Anakin's, Anakin again. Luck. Anakin's a cool so horse. much luck. Yeah. So into Anakin. How'd you get Anakin? What's the? Uh, and I love the syndicate, the Rogue One syndicate. That's like, yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. the so coolest. Cool. Um, Annie. Annie was owned by. A student that had actually come to ride with Sinead, but then Sinead left. So I acquired, um, who was from Maryland. Her name's Daphne Soares. And she had a son. She has a son. They still are alive and exist and ride with me. Um, and I was teaching um, them both and mostly the kid. And Daphne's very capable on her own. Um, and she would send me Anakin, you know, for short periods of time. She has a crazy job. She would go, she's a, um, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but she's a neuroscientist and they okay. study like fish brains. Oh, that makes it sound not as cool as it is, but it's really cool. Um, so she used to, before sh- her injury, they would go caving in these remote parts of the world. Um, and they would find these really crazy fish that nobody knew about. So anyway, she would go to crazy places. She would send me her horse. I hated him. He was so annoying. Um, and <laughs> every time it came, like something's wrong with him. We need to get him scoped. We need this, that, the other. And she's very low maintenance. So she would just kind of roll her eyes. Um, <laughs> and that winter, um, she had, she had a back problem and one of her discs, basically exploded in her back and she had to have emergency back surgery. And so she sent Anakin to Florida with me. Um, and I was riding him. We worked out a deal and cause I wanted the ride and she couldn't really pay for Florida, but the horse needed to keep going. And I think she had done one prelim on him and, um, I had never even gone prelim before. Wow. So, and she was super supportive of my career. And so she's like, go do it, like compete them, do whatever. And, you know, I we have had a little bit of a different philosophy about what to do, but I kind of wanted to start from like square one because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to really understand this horse to know this horse and I'm not a catch rider. So I, I took him novice my first horse show and she thought I was ridiculous. And uh, I went like one meter per minute, um, which I still choose as my speed of uh, my galloping speed, one meter per minute. Um, (laughs) And, you know, he was perfect. He's a perfect animal. Um, So then I took him training and um, Sinead was with me helping me and he was so good and so easy. 
And I'm like, oh my God, that was so easy. And she's like, yes, this is what it's supposed to be like. I'm like, oh, okay. Because Tegan was, you know, she was a show jumper. So it was very hard. You're fighting for it the whole time. She's jumping like eight feet over the fences. It was very, very wild. Um, and, um, and then, I, you know, I did a couple of more trainings or whatever, because I had to, to qualify to move up to preliminary. And I did my first preliminary and he was perfect. I mean, this horse is the most perfect cross country creature in the history of cross country creatures. He's so honest. Um, and you know, I, he was perfect. And Daphne knew her back was kind of like, she loved this horse. This was like her pet. And she didn't want to sell him, but she knew it was kind of the practical thing to do. And I didn't really think I wanted to buy him until I rode him for a while. And so we had this very emotional conversation and she was like, this is the right thing to do for you. And it's the right thing to do for the horse. And I know I'm not going to, you know, have time for the next, you know, she ended up having another surgery. It took forever for her to get back. Um, And so, you know, we agreed on a price and it wasn't a little bit of money. And I set up a vetting and, uh, Jill Copenhagen came out from uh, peak performance and uh, she started the vetting and I know Jill pretty well. Um, and she like saw him trot up and she's like, like, mm. I'm like, just keep going, keep going. Everything's fine. Um, she, you know, flex and whatever. We did some things. His, you know, he doesn't really bend his neck, I'm like whatever. Um, and she, <laughs> found she started doing x-rays and she found a cyst in his ankle and she's like Megan like I know like you want to go advanced this is not the horse I'm like keep going no I stopped the vetting uh, <laughs> I'm, like, okay. I'm like crying it's fine like it wasn't meant to be so I called Daphne and she's like you know um that's disappointing. You know, she was pretty sad to hear that. Um, but we didn't really have a solution. She's like, I guess just keep riding him. Like, what else are we going to do? I'm like, all right. So I kept riding him and I did like, you know, a season of preliminary and I'm like, I think I'm going to go to a one star. Like I've done 1000 prelims. Let's do this. So I went to Bromont and he was awesome. And I'm like, I think I need to do more prelims because moving up to intermediate is not, uh, I'm just not mentally right. I'm not, I'm not there yet. This is happening too easily. Um, so I did a whole year prelim and Shanae's like, you have to move up now. <laughs> um, so Daphne was like, you know, all right, if you're going to keep going, you got to buy him. And I had the opportunity to, to have ridden him an, almost an entire year after I knew about his field vetting. And, um, I was in love with him at this point. Um, and I was like, I don't care if he lasts another season, you know, I'll buy him. So we agreed and I bought him. I did not bet him any further. I think I had like three extra. Um, and that was that. Um, and then he just kept going. You know, that's kind of how he was at every level. I'm like, I think I have to move up now. <laughs> like, I don't really know how many other things I can do at this level. Um, he, I kept expecting it to feel hard for him. And he just never, he just never has. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know if this is how everyone's horses feel as they move <laughs> up the levels. And I've just have never experienced this before. But I think it's crazy. Wow. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. it's pretty cool. Everyone's so, uh, he, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's crazy. He's awesome. 
And, you know, he, since I've owned him, I've found out even more things that are wrong with him. Like he has kissing spine and like oh, every no. single vertebrae in his back. And like he actually, again, something I ha still haven't really told the public yet is I found out he has uh, lymphoma uh, last oh. fall. Um, I'm not going to cry about it. Um, so it's horrible and sad and awful. But, you know, after I was done planning his funeral, you know, the second I found out, I realized he's happy, he's healthy, he's fine. There's not a lot of information. He's not symptomatic. You know, I could have a day with this horse, a week with this horse, a month with this horse, or years. No one can really tell me. And I, you know, I think we have access to the best vets in the country and even in the world, honestly, if we really wanted to. And I talked to oncologists and internal specialist, internal medicine specialists. And, you know, I, I got all of the information I possibly could. And, you know, I am, I've got a lot of people helping me with this horse right now to keep him happy and knock on wood. I do every single day, but he's still trucking along. Wow. Um, you know, this whole virus thing is very inconveniently timed for me and my horse right now. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, again, Sinead helping me, you know, pull myself out of a deep, dark hole is, you know, you never know, like if you're going to go out and jump a fence and your horse is going to do a spensary or, you know, break a leg or you're going to break a leg or whatever it is, like you have to treat it the same way. Like, you know, my goal this year was to make it to the Fair Hill five star. Obviously, that's not happening, but Fair um, Hill five star is out. Oh, it can't. It can't. Well, I'm not qualified to go um, yet because i had to do a four star another four star in the spring um and uh you know so at the time this was in december and january i'm i'm trying to make my plan and she's like your plan is to go to the fair health five star so just start working on the plan and that was like the first day i was like you know what you're right and i started riding him and honestly i think he's healthy and happy and if i can keep him healthy and happy the longer, the better. And he likes working and I'm not doing chemo because it took me a, a long time to make the decision, but there's just not enough information. And I just couldn't bring myself to making him sick. Yeah. So it was hard decision, but, um, I think it was the right one to do and he's still happy and healthy. And who knows honestly how long he's had it. Um, I have no idea. It just is, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm a psychopath and I noticed a lump and I asked too many questions and we figured it out. Wow. So I found the lump before I went to Fair Hill actually. And my vet, Jan Hendrickson is like, we're not going to deal with that until after Fair Hill. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, I thought this is a good idea. And I'm so thankful that he did that. Um, so, you know, it's crazy. I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about it and I don't know a lot of people that not a lot of people have experienced this. Um, so obviously his owners know, otherwise I wouldn't have told you, yeah. but, uh, and they're awesome. The syndicate is so awesome. It's, uh, you know, it's my little group of like misfits. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like a million people own this little thoroughbred and, you know, it's, it's, it's such a cool, these people own the horse, not because, you know, they want to be these big horse owners. It's just because they love his story and they want to support me. And, you know, some of them are super involved and some of them have never even come to a horse show. And they're just like the coolest group of people, like eclectic group of people. Wow. I think there's like 20 or 18 of them or something like that. That's a big um, group. 
Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, cool. A lot of Christmas cards. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, hey, so how, did, how does the, like, what's the current business? So, I mean, obviously he's your top horse, but what's the, what's yeah. your current business? What do you got going there right now? So I am, um, I do a lot of teaching and my friends keep telling me I need to start getting more horses. Um, but I need more horses help. Um, <laughs> but I, honestly, I love teaching. Um, I, I love, um, I love motivated young people are like my thing. I have a lot of adults that I also love. This is not an adult bash, but my, my, I would say my forte is like the middle school, high school, um, kid age range. It's probably where my maturity level is. So, um, <laughs> we get along well. Is that um, the I think, group? you know, yeah, the jet exactly. Um, I have my my junior eventing team that I started. I think this is our third year. Um, uh, I have a really awesome owner that that says, you know, look around and you know create what you think is missing. And I said, well, what was missing when I was a kid was someone like me <laughs> who could tell you, like, hello, backyard Megan, um, with horribly sloppy appearance and you know two out of you know whatever lameness um horse you can figure this out if if you have a little help so um i have in in this area this is a this is a i live in a farming area like it's a blue collar town but we're surrounded by a lot of white collar towns and it's a very kind of hodgepodge area so there's people that have a lot of money there are people that have no money um, there's a lot of people in the middle and people make it happen here. So, you know, you have everything from, you know, the Ann Krasinski's here to, you know, down the street is a little wooden, you know, barn that horses live out, you know, 24 seven. So a lot of my students keep their horses at home to save money and they trailer into me. Um, and so, you know, I was teaching a lot of these kids individually, privately and I never had private lessons when I was a kid, ever, never in my life. And um, I'm like, these kids are like in the prime of their like social, like this is, you know, when you're a kid, you're venting, you love horses, you're riding and everything because of the horses. But so much of it was social as well. And um, they aren't getting that here. You know, and there's pony clubs and the pony clubs are fine. Um but I don't know, it, you know, those kids that just want a little bit more, you know, that are that want to compete and they don't really have either the access to the instruction or maybe, you know, their their parents are trying to help them because their parents know. But like that dynamic doesn't always work. And so I started this team because I had a handful of them and I wanted them to, all to start riding together. And even just taking the kids I had already and putting them in a group environment was the coolest thing to watch because number one, they all got tougher all of a sudden like that. Um, and they all, and and, they're not best friends, all of them. Like they don't all hang out together all the time, Mm -hmm. but they're so, the kids here are so cool. Like they're so supportive. They have really supportive parents. Um, you know, some parents are super involved. Some people, some parents aren't as involved, but they all want their kids to, to have this because I think they recognize how valuable and how lucky these kids are to have this, um, you know, and there's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a strange time I think to be that age. Um, 
you know, they, they, I don't think their childhood is anywhere near the same as our childhoods were. And I think, you know, that, that my goal with the junior venting team is to number one, make sure they have a community, make sure they have access to, to proper education. And if they want to figure out how to make another, you know, make a move, or if they want to figure out how to even define goals, like I didn't even know how to define my goals when I was a kid. Um, Cause I just didn't know, you know um, what was out there. So that's what I'm trying to do with this team. And um, you know, will any of them be professional riders? Probably not. I have no idea. You know, that's, it's what it is, but you know, I want them, if they want to be a professional rider, that's great. If they want to be the best beginner novice, junior beginner novice, you know, rider in this state, that's great. If they just want to one day make it to a beginner novice event, that's awesome. I have kids that literally just want to make it to an event within like the next year. And I have kids that want to go to young riders one day. So, um, you know, and they all ride together. So it's, you know, competitive, but like in a healthy way, you know, it's not, it's not that cutthroat thing. So it's a pretty cool, I think it's pretty special. Um, it's growing every year and, um, I try to make it affordable for everybody and I give them like working student opportunities and, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm pretty proud of it. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, Yeah, actually the, one of my junior moms is calling me right now. We're shopping for a horse. If anyone has any, that's fun, especially with so, somebody else's and, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always much better when it's somebody else's money. Um, so, you know, the, you know, we call it JET. Um, and the kids are here in the summertime a lot, like just hanging out. And honestly, from a business perspective, it's been great because now, you know, they started out as like 12-year-old, 11, 12-year-olds. And now they're like 14, 15. And they're actually very useful to have free <laughs> Free labor is great. Um, yeah, no so. <laughs> they're at that age where you gotta gotta keep them gotta keep them hooked, keep them working because that once they get that yeah, call, you totally. That's awesome. Now, so the, you know, I, what about the like? How about like so? So basically, you're looking for horses. You got the jet team, and then do, do you have mm-hmm. other people that aren't just part of the you know part of the team? You said you have the adults too, or? Yep, I sure do. I have some great adults. Um, uh, we've got, I think right now I've got 12 horses here, wow. including Anakin. Um, and I actually think only one of them off the top of my head, I think one or maybe two are juniors. The rest are adults. Um, and they're all, they're not actually, you know, we have, I have adults that don't even compete that just ride. I have competitive adults. Um, you know, they're all working hard. A lot of them work in the, in New York city. So working from home right now. So it's kind of been nice having them around a little bit more from a distance. Um, (laughs) And um, yeah, I've got a really great group of people. Actually, the clients I have are so great and, and flexible with my crazy schedule and supportive and, um, you know, I think I'm pretty lucky in the client department. I would say the primary source of income in my business is teaching. I have a lot of shipping lessons. Um, I do, you know, I help a lot of the pony clubs locally. Um, I help my, my dressage trainer slash friend, um, Lauren Chumley is a, a vet rider as well as a hobby. And she's actually getting quite good. 
Um, so I help her with her horses and she helps me with my horses. And um, I jump my horses with Holly Payne because she's right up the street. Um, I don't know. We're kind of, it's a fun kind of awesome. community here. And, that sounds cool. Now, what know. about you? You came back from Florida late, right? Like what's. Yes, I did. And some... I still came back too early. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on in Florida for you? It sounds like you have some pretty exciting things going on. I'm so excited. Um, I have exciting news for everyone. Um, I have awesome clients and they have just purchased a winter facility in Ocala. Nice. Um, that will be my permanent home until they get tired of me at least. Permanent? Okay? Like year um, round? You're going to be our year rounder? No, oh, sorry. Permanent, permanent home winter. in the winter. Sinead will be disappointed because she'll get excited when she hears that part. And then she's <laughs> to move to Florida for a long time. I'm not quite there yet. I'm not just, I'm not quite there yet. Um, Florida is amazing in the wintertime. I just don't think I can handle it in the summertime. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but no, it's uh, this year we were down in Florida, I think December 1st till May 1st, which is the longest I've ever been down. And usually I don't go till after Christmas. And I usually come back after Carolina at the end of March. Um, but I went down earlier this year because at my amazing New Jersey facility that is owned by Chris and Michaeloski, um, we don't have an indoor. So if it decides to be a cold November, our ring freezes and mm -hmm. therefore nobody can ride. So, um, so I'm hoping to kind of do the same thing this year. Wow, if that's I can sweet. figure it out. Um, and yeah, we're going to go down hopefully December 1st. The place is unbelievable. It used to be a Paso Fino farm. Ooh. Um, oh, not, I don't know anything about Paso Finos, but I've learned a lot just by looking at the farm. They have the little bridge out front that like they make the noise oh, and they yeah. all like watch this like, lighted thing. I sound really smart when I talk about passwords. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really cool. Uh, there's 24 stalls. There's 70 acres. I'm walking distance to Clayton. Um, like 10 minutes from Coleman. I'm 10 minutes from Sinead. Um, it's a super area. Um, and our, you know, our plans for the facility are pretty big over the next couple years. So I'd like to, to be competitive as far as facilities are concerned with, um, with those facilities, you know, Heck some yeah. nice facilities because there's definitely room for growth and yeah. hopefully get some cross country in there, some cool arenas and be a real event rider. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Use that little Pasofino bridge for trolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is some funny looking stuff. When I see uh, those Pasofinos go, that is. That's uh, where I'm going to stomp my feet and yell about the Betadine from. <laughs> that sounds like a good reason for us to come visit Florida. I know. I got another reason. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. We have to. So, so what, if people have, if they want to get training, Meg's open for business. Mm -hmm. If they want to buy horses for, for Meg, she's open for, she's open for business. I mean, <laughs> why not? I'm sure people are just standing by. Yeah. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's fantastic. Well, you got the new farm. That's exciting. That yeah, is super. It is exciting. Uh, it's really exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's hard going back and forth every year and, I've been lucky enough to go back to the same place the last two years and it's a great place. Um, but it went on the market this year and um, unfortunately we couldn't buy it. And so we started looking elsewhere and this is what we found. And I'm so excited because 
there's nothing like going somewhere that you know and you can just like be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like coming awesome. back here every year has been amazing and I've been pretty transient in my life. And so this is the first time I felt like I've had a little bit of like That's stability, cool. I guess is the word. That is That's awesome. That's great. That's fantastic. All right. So Meg, we're going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. So five questions and you just graded at the end. So you get graded strict grading criteria. Yeah. This is where Karen hits you with the really hard questions. All right. Do you have any good luck or superstitions before you go cross country? I do. I have um, uh, lucky socks. Um, They are Wonder Woman socks. I would get them for you right now, but it's kind of embarrassing because they're super holy. (laughs) Uh, And I have worn them every cross country ride on Anakin since at least intermediate and I was getting a little cocky at rocking horse and I had done my laundry and I didn't wear them. And guess what happened? Uh I fell off. Oh no. See, I fell off. Listen. So never again. I don't care if they're threads. (laughs) Wonder woman stocks are staying on. Good answer. Okay. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, Oh, wow. New one. George Clooney. George, George Clooney. Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, God. Um I don't know. I can only think of male actors right now. <laughs> when I was in high school, people thought I looked like Carrie Russell. I don't think we really look alike anymore, but I don't I think can I see a little Carrie Russell in there. Yeah, a little bit. I can see a little of that. He's not me, though. I don't know. God. <laughs> you needed to give me, like, cheat questions in the beginning. So I can- all right. All right. <laughs> we'll give her some, some easy ones. All right. Throw up a, lob her up a softball, Okay. Karen. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Who was your favorite writer growing up? Margie Engel. There you go. There you go. Good, Good answer. One. Margie Engel. She is a She's so little. She's like 80 pounds. How does she do it? That's awesome. You know who she is? Margie Goldstein Engel? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know she was like that tiny though. She's like five feet tall. She might not be 80 pounds, but she's (laughs) little. She's very little. I loved her. I thought she was so cool. She still is cool. Margie, you're cool. (laughs) Margie, call me. (laughs) Call me. (laughs) Do you have any hobbies outside of horses? I do have hobbies. Um, I actually really like running. You can't really tell at the moment because there's also a great hobby of eating. Um, and it's quarantine, it's quarantine bod. Um, I love being physical. Um, so running, um, I had my ankle like redone a couple years ago. So running is not as easy anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm trucked along. Um, I love going to the gym. I do Orange Theory with my friends whenever it opens. I like to listen to murder podcasts um, and this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like to be outside. um, So I like exploring. I like murder podcasts too. I love it. Did you you ever listen to S-Town? You you had to listen to S-Town. Oh, yeah. Sure did. That's a classic. (laughs) So, so good. Nice. Twists and turns. God, people are crazy. Cra- <laughs> the weird thing is, it's in serial, obviously, right? You're, 
cereal. Yes, that's what got me started is cereal. I'd never listened to a podcast before cereal. Yeah. And if if anyone out there is listening and they don't listen to these, you got to try it. That, that's, it's kind of weird to think, and I know this is a quick farm story, but podcasting has so much great, so many great stories are being told through podcasts that I think are like better than HBO movies or, or you know, whatever. Like, it's uh, I agree. If you haven't listened to S Town, gotta listen to S Town. It's incredible. That is a great podcast. Twists and turns. Crazy. Yeah, it's uh, the girls that work in the barn for me. Um, they think I'm crazy because I like to listen to um, I like to listen to my murder podcast, and I am not a very <laughs> fancy person. So yes, I have earphones and I have all the fancy things, but I never think about them. Right, so. What does any self-respecting person do but take their phone, put it on speakerphone, and then put it in their bra? (laughs) Classy. And that is how I listen to my murder podcast while I'm cleaning stalls in the morning or in the night, um, very late or very early. Um, So they don't really understand that side of me, I don't think. But they're still young. They're still young. They'll get over it. (laughs) All right. One more question. If you okay. if you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I feel like this is such a good one, and I'm not prepared. You know what? <laughs> I actually this might be a strange answer, but I was obsessed with Armada. Who's Armada? And I think Armada. Uh, Andrew Nicholson used to ride him, okay. and Oliver Townen. Um, he's this huge chestnut. He just died this year, last year. Um, he was he was he was a little bit older than Tate, but he was at a lot of the big competitions, and he was a freaking beast. Um, I sure I would pick other horses as well, but that horse is sticking out in my mind because I thought he was the coolest animal. Maybe a little. I probably wouldn't have been able to ride him. Let me tell you, like. I don't think any other humans in the world probably could ride that horse besides those two men, but he was cool. That's awesome. And actually Ollie Townen was on that horse and we were in, at Burley in the show jumping warm up, and he jumped a show jump backwards oh. in the warm up, And he's like, I just jumped a bloody jump backwards at Burley. <laughs> 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 that's my Ollie story. Um, he, he didn't get eliminated. It was fine. Nobody, nobody saw but us, but it was fine. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Everyone's human. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. human. Yeah. 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 Uh, that horse was cool. <laughs> There's a lot of, cool. I mean, they're all so cool. They have to be kind of cool to be that cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Good answer. Well, yeah. Karen, I A plus plus. A plus plus. And she gets an extra plus because she said she likes it. Oh, and she, that's right. You get yeah. the extra, extra <laughs> <early> podcast <laughs> bonus point. That's the only podcast that I ever listen oh, to oh, or allow right. any. Sure. Yeah. Her nose is growing. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pinocchio commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so meg do you have any advice for riders trying to make it in this sport yes i do um my advice is you cannot give up i have um i actually went viral a meme that 
Lainey actually took a quote of mine and made it a meme and no one could do that except for Lainey Ashker. And it went viral, but it was about that horse. I was telling you with the white rubber reins and the polo shirt and he was lame and I won my event or whatever. Um, and I am that kid that shouldn't have even remotely made it to where I am. And I honestly, I still feel like I struggle a little bit with, uh, like, what is it called? Um, when you feel like you don't imposter belong. Syndrome? What's the, imposter syndrome. Yes. I struggle with that a lot actually. Um, because I feel like I'm just a kid from Southern Maryland. I should have gone to law school. I didn't have any natural ability. Um, but I have, you know, work ethic and grit and I make friends easily. Thank God. Um, so I think, there are going to be a lot of closed doors along the way. Um, and some doors are going to open sooner than others, but um, you know, the doors keep opening for me that I don't expect to open. Um, my expectations aren't high, um, but I'm constantly surprised <laughs> and you've got to, you've got to learn to enjoy, enjoy it um, when it's not what you think it is, because I can tell you every single step I've taken in my life of horses has been for one reason, like a specific reason at the time. And it has never turned out the way that I thought it was going to be Hmm. never. Um, And you don't realize it until you, you know, add some years and you look back on it and you're like, Jesus, like that is exactly what I needed in that moment. And I, you know, that probably can apply to life in general, but um, you know, this, this path, I mean, I'm 35. Um, I'm on my second horse I've ever owned. Um, you know, I've been competing horses since I was 11 and it took me this long to make it to the advanced level. Um, and I honestly didn't even think I was going to make it after, you know, the first 20 years. So, (laughs) um, you know, and that can't be your end goal, your only end goal, because you could end up pretty disappointed. But I think along the way, you realize that there are other there are other goals you can make, and you got to figure out how to enjoy it while it's happening. But yeah. if you want to keep going, you just have to keep going. That's you know. Right. No, I think that your story is probably out of all the interviews we've ever done. I think yours is the most like you know, just long, slow process, you know, even a lot of people, you know, they say, Oh, I didn't go advanced until I was 25, you know, like, you know I mean? Like you, you, you know, and you had some twists and turns. So I think that that's, I think a lot of people would really like to hear that are really mm-hmm. going to feel a lot better. I went themselves. novice. See imposter syndrome. I have to tell my clients this now, but it's been enough time. I didn't go novice till I was 30. So there you can write that down kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up. Don't give up. I know, like you know, we're you know, time is. I want to have you back sometime because I really like to hear um, more, you know, about the transition to starting your own business because that's that's a tough thing, and I think a lot of people. I have a feeling you probably have a pretty good story about that, but uh, I'll get you back on that one because I think that's the that's a tough part is how do people transition and mm-hmm. and um, yeah. hopefully you come back with us and and we share a little bit more. I would love to. Too. So that'd be awesome. Oh, so love- we, we start, we'll wind things down here, but we're definitely going to get you back on the phone oh, yeah. about that. Cause I got to hear that. And we want to get an update. Cause it sounds like a lot of exciting stuff is right. Like coming up too, for you. Um, 
the the sponsors you know i know you have some great owners and clients and all that but how about sponsors behind you we always like to mention the sponsors and and give them recognition yeah, for getting behind totally you. um i've had and and this is you know i think i've gotten again it's all about the impression impressions you make on people because i got a lot of my sponsors when i was going training level um because i took the time when I had the opportunity to um, make impressions on people and I, I, I learned what, um, what people, what sponsors expect from their riders. And, you know, I tried to really believe that I only want to represent products that I actually know how to use and like um, so that I do a good enough job. Um, you know, we never feel like we're doing a good enough job, but yeah, I've got some great sponsors. So I am sponsored by Kep Italia, uh, my helmets. Um, and they've been, um, since I was, I mean, that was like from day one, they were awesome. They're Italian company and they are like anything you want. The product is unbelievable. Um, I think they're really starting to get some headway in the United States, uh, people make fun of me sometimes for my bling, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also, I ride in Prestige, um, Prestige Italia, another Italian company. Surprisingly, I'm not Italian. Um, and I, again, got a lot of opportunity to work with Prestige. I actually worked in their office when I was um, grooming for Sinead to help them, you know, develop product and sell product. And, you know, I got to really understand what they do. Um, so I, feel like I really can, you know, I won't sell somebody something that I don't think is going to work because, mm -hmm. you know, I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't, that's why I don't sell horses for a living. Like I, I'm a horrible horse salesman <laughs> because I can't, I'm like, oh yeah, except for, you know, I had an abscess three days ago in 1997, uh, it had a boot rub. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I'm horrible. Don't send your horse for me to sell. Um, in, um, I also am a member of team flair, flair strips. Okay. Um, and that actually just happened. I've been trying to get flair forever and ever. I love flair. I love the company. I love the product. Um, and I'm, we are a breathing positive barn. I've got hay gains and nebulizers and all the things that you need. And, um, the girls probably hate me sometimes because I'm so <laughs> high maintenance, but you can't unlearn the things that you've learned along the way. Yeah. Um, hit air. So I run hit air. Um, got to test it out quite a few times this year. Uh, works great. I actually want to make a meme of my fall from rocking horse. Cause I rolled so well, but there were so many rotations Ooh. and yes. I think I keep it going. Um, so <laughs> Hit air. <laughs> um, I'm a member of uh, Team Neutrina as well. Um, my, my horses look awesome. My farrier actually probably paid me the biggest compliment um, I've ever received about what my how my horses look because he said, you know, your horses look unbelievable. And this is coming from a farrier, okay? He's like, your horses look unbelievable. He's like, event horses don't look this good. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, it's Neutrina, baby. Um, and... <laughs> Higher standards leather care, um, small company, and they are awesome. They support any rider that needs support, um, and it's a great product for leather. Um, and we use that religiously in the barn. Um, 
I have a local, a couple of local sponsors in New Jersey. One of them is called Link Wellness. Um, Miss Michelle Coaches is um, my MagnaWave specialist, and she has turned me on to that whole thing. I'm I actually got a little MagnaWave for myself, um, and she is she t- helps me manage Anakin's kissing spine. She comes religiously for Anakin and my clients, and it has been a game changer for him and. You know, sometimes I don't understand science, but it just works. Um, <laughs> so she's been awesome and super supportive, and it's really fun having local people um, in our in our squad. And another uh, sponsor I have here is called Clean Round. It's a laundry and embroidery service, so they do all of my embroidery, and um, they actually did all of the laundry in the barn for a long time until we got washer and dryer. Right. Um, so she's also my syndicate. So that's cool. Um, and have I forgot anyone? I think that's everybody. Awesome. We haven't asked this question in a while. Do you have a dream sponsor, like a dream product you would love to hit you? Oh up? my God. Oh, you guys. Uh, do I have a dream sponsor? Um, I'm sure I do not ready. Go big. Go big. We always try to tell people, go big. This is a dream sponsor. Okay. So, like, it doesn't have to be like a little horse company. No, no, it could be anything. There you go. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I am their number one customer in Long Island, New Jersey. I drink cold brew all the time. I think my boyfriend's going to break up with me because I spent all of my money there. <laughs> um, I am people tag me and like that. I barely know they'll tag me and like Dunkin' Donuts things. Like, I guess I just put off that vibe. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. Uh, That's funny. Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin hands Donuts. down. Listen that up. Is, come sponsor I you. can really represent that. Product. <laughs> there you go. I really hope they're a good. I honestly, I hope they're a good business. Cause I've just given them an endorsement and they probably are like, they probably have something shady going on. No, but. not Duncan. No. <laughs> Duncan. America runs on Duncan. So, so hey, yes. how do, as, we, as we wind this thing down, which is fantastic, we had a great time. Yeah, here. it's a lot of fun. How do people follow along, like the social media? I don't know. Do you have a website or socials or what do you got there? Yeah, totally. Um, I am on, I would say, Facebook the most um, uh, and Instagram. I had to get off Twitter after the political cycle. I just can't do it anymore. So I am uh, and my website. I just changed. <laughs> Can I tell a funny story about the website really Let's quick? Hear it. Let's hear it. So I made my website with the help of Frankie and her team. And it's awesome. And I had, you know, my last name is unique and weird. So my Kept website it. URL. Right. Piece of cake. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Uh, it was Kefferly Equestrian, right? Kefferly Equestrian. There is no other person with a Kefferly Equestrian in the world. I can no, there isn't. So made the website, you know, of course people aren't very good about like maintaining websites. I will admit. So I didn't really like go to it very often. And apparently my license for the domain expired. Okay. Domains are like five cents, right? Yeah. They're like $5. So I'm sure I got the renewal things and I just ignored it and I ignored it, I guess, for a really long time because this winter when I had a lot of time on my hands, I went to go update my website because I'm like, wow, I'm really out of date. I need to be better about this. So I go to my website and it's like, page, I found like blah, 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 blah. 
So I, long story short, what happened was my domain expired like a year ago. <laughs> and <laughs> didn't even know, like didn't know I'm the worst. And there are things called domain pirates, which you might know about, but I never heard about. And if you don't know what a domain pirate is, I'm going to learn you out. There are these horrible little people that sit on their computers and they go around and I guess it's public knowledge when your domain expires and they gather up all the little domains and they buy them so that you desperate soul will come to them and be like, I will pay you anything for my domain back. Anything. Mm, so I figured this out with the help of like Frankie and all of her tech guys. Cause I literally had no idea what was going on. And, um, they wanted a thousand dollars for oh my, my Kepferly Equestrian domain name back. And I said, middle finger, there are no, nobody's going to buy Kepferly Equestrian from you. So I didn't buy it. And I started makekep.com. Makekep.com. So, makekep.com. I have it on auto renew. So this don't happen. <laughs> um, that is my website. <laughs> um, and my Facebook is I have a business Facebook, which is kept really equestrian, but I honestly do most of it on Meg Kep. That is my name on Facebook. I'm friends with a lot of strangers. I think ISIS probably is one of my friends. Honestly, oh, I have no, no idea. Except no. Not actually. They're not my friends. Take that back. Take that. Edit. Um, <laughs> but I just accept, I accept everyone because I want everyone to be happy. Um, yeah. Probably not the safe thing to do. No, uh, my boyfriend is a Green Beret and he works in intelligence and he thinks I'm an idiot when it comes to social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, my Instagram is um, at Megkep. So awesome. I think those are all of my social medias. Awesome. awesome. Well, Karen. Oh, and we have a cat. We have a we have a jet team Instagram that the kids run. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Jet. Jet. I think it's called at Kep Jet Team. Jet. But I'll have to double check on that. Love it. That sounds awesome. It it is is that is awesome. Meg, this is a pleasure getting to know you. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Karen, Jim, thanks for you. having me. Lots of fun. Yeah, so, well, listen, you have to promise to come back sometime. We'll talk some more. I would. And yes. uh, well, hopefully we'll catch up with you at a show sometime soon and, and we get back to business, you know? Yes. Hopefully awesome. very soon. Oh, yeah. yeah so. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. This is great. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. To learn more about Major League Eventing, go to MajorLeagueEventing.com. And join our mailing list to get all the major league eventing updates. Cheers!